it jams it down. Taking you behind the scenes and inside the locker room. You're listening to The Raptors Beat with Josh Lewinberg and Nikki Reyes on TSN 1050. The Raptors live here. Welcome to The Raptors Beat. I'm Josh Lewinberg. She's Nikki Reyes. Lot to get to today. Uh, we're, we're excited to chat with Patrick Matumbo, head coach of the 905. He's going to join us in around 20 minutes. G League season just getting started, and the 905 are back in Mississauga, so they're able to do some of those things that they've done so well over the years, just in terms of creative assignments and call-ups. We've already seen pa- we've already seen Pascal Siakam go down there. Uh, for a couple rehab practices, Delano Banton getting some extra run with the 905. So we'll chat with Patrick about that. We'll also look ahead to tonight's game in Utah. The Raptors, nine and a half point underdogs. Is this a good opportunity to hop back on the Raptors betting bandwagon? Maybe yeah. get some action there with the Raptors as underdogs. But first, Nikki, the Raptors are... Uh, having a rough go of it recently. They've lost five of six games, and I think the biggest concern is they're having something of an identity crisis. This is a defensive-minded team that's not really playing defense right now. So uh, let's put on our defensive doctor's caps and diagnose (laughs) the Raptors' defensive woes. It's probably easier said than done. Where do we start with this team right now? Yeah, you said it, Josh. It's confusing because to start the season, they they looked great playing this hyper-aggressive, this overhelp style defense. They were creating turnovers and havoc and in turn, you know, winning that transition game. And, and, and they looked great doing so. But now... These last, uh, what, this last stretch of six games, they're one in five, um, they look completely different, and they look like they're just out of sorts. I think the easiest answer would be, like, they're just not executing, right? They're not executing properly. Um, they're over-helping. They're late on their rotations. We've seen more fly-by closeouts and open threes from the opposition than we've seen uh, to start the season. Um, but this is a team that's also... You know, they're dealing with injuries with Precious, with Chris Boucher. Um, Ken Birch was out for a bit. Fred Van Vliet sat out one game. And then you're reintegrating, you know, Pascal Siakam, who's been back now for three games, but is still trying to get used to the flow and spacing of everything. And everyone's trying to get used to him being back into the mix. And so while I want to say... I don't want to say, actually, that it's an effort issue because I, I, I never want to say that. But Nick Nurse always says this, and he always preaches that it starts with energy, effort, mindset, desire, that willingness. That, that all comes before schemes or anything. Um, so they just, they're just showing this lack of consistency. And, and as one of the youngest teams in the league, I think, you know, we have to be ready to accept these up and down games and right now they're just really down how are you seeing well, it the, the youth is a big factor there's no question about that like i think there are a number of things to unpack here nick nurse's defensive system it's it's really hard to execute it's frenetic uh, it, it involves yeah. A, yeah a lot of switching a lot of flying around it's an aggressive style and, and one that's very fluid it's constantly changing up so i think there are different there are a few different things that you need in order to pull it off i, I mean obviously 
you need the tools to be able to do that. And I think this Raptors team has those things. Like it's been designed to have those things, whether it's quickness, length, versatility defensively. But it's not just a matter of getting to where you need to go on the floor. It's knowing where you need to go on the floor. When you look at the success that Nurse has had with this defensive system in the past, specifically in the championship year, the reason why they were able to pull that off is not necessarily because they were the longest or most most athletic team in the league. They had a ton of basketball savvy between Gasol, Ibaka, Lowry, Danny Green, yeah. Kawhi. Like the list goes on. That was a really smart team. You, you've right. got to be able to Older. to. Yeah, I mean, it, it's experience. it's you. You've almost yeah. got to be. You've got to have the experience. You've got to be able to calculate these things on the floor in terms of the risks that you're willing to take, the risks that you're not willing to take to be able to communicate out there. All of those things come with experience. So I think that that's a factor with a young team. But the other thing that I'll throw at you here is when I say it's a really hard system to pull off, yeah, there's the mental side of it and being able to think the game, but there's also the physical side of it. It's exhausting. So when you've got guys that are leading the league in minutes, Fred VanVleet, number one in minutes, OG Ananobi, number OG. two in minutes, mm-hmm. all five starters played at least 39 minutes against Portland the other night. When you've got guys that are logging major, major minutes and, and carrying these huge workloads on both ends of the floor – it's tough to ask them over the course of a full game to fly around and play that frenetic style. So what do you do if you're Nick Nurse? Do you look at this rotation and say, okay, well, how can we take some of that toll off of these guys? And if you're doing that, where where does it go? Who's taking on more responsibility? Well, yes, all these problems are starting to bleed into each other right so you're saying that the the starters have to carry this load they played 39 minutes you know against portland all of them and now their their bench uh you know is is just not producing they're not stepping up they have the worst bench in the league but again like some of that is you know right now is injury like uh, i know precious is starting but then he came off the bench and then boucher is out but they're, if they're not producing, then Nick Nurse can't. What is he going to do about his starters? He can't sit them. They can't afford to sit down, which in turn is, you know, causing them to 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 be taxed and to to have to overextend offensively and defensively. Yeah, I mean, I get it, especially in a game against Portland the other night where you have two days off coming up and you're thinking, okay, well, we've already lost a bunch of games here. We need to to win this one. The bench isn't giving it to us. We need to ride the starters here. I, I get that, but how sustainable is it? And is it even necessary? That's the thing, because going into the season it really seemed like depth was going to be a strength of this team where it Mm -hmm. wasn't before, not last year in Tampa. But I know Nurse specifically spoke a lot going into the season about how happy he was with the bench and with the depth. We're just not seeing it right now. I think one of those reasons, as you mentioned, Nikki, is the injuries because obviously you got guys out of the lineup. You're missing players. You're having guys fill roles that they're not used to filling and you're undermanned in that way. So you're leaning more on the starters in that scenario. But yeah, they're last in the league, as you mentioned, in bench scoring right now. And it really is a chicken and egg scenario always when it comes to the bench and an underperforming bench specifically. Are 
are you not playing them because they're not performing or or are they not yeah. performing because <laughs> you're not playing them i often say like w- with nurse you need to sometimes he needs to extend the leash of those players to give them some more trust in order for you to get something back right w- w- especially with those second unit guys it's tough not knowing when your opportunity is going to come when you're coming in when you're coming out how many minutes you're going to get you're on the floor you're playing a minute or two here you make a mistake you're looking over at the bench and thinking oh oh man am am i going to be pulled out of the the game now at some point you need to trust those guys to be able to play a a role for you in order for them to get some level of comfort and, and to be able to to produce and I, I think that's sort of been a knock on Nurse over the years is he, he's been reluctant to do that sometimes with an underperforming bench. And, and I think you could see the other side of it, too. Like in the, the year after the, the championship, the title defense year, with a guy like Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. They didn't trust him early in the season. I, I think injuries sort of forced their hand a little bit. They gave him some trust, and, and he started to to repay them for that. But last year in Tampa, you know, you're, you're not – putting a whole lot of trust in your bench. You're not getting much from those guys. And then you see late in the year with, with Malachi Flynn, the role expands and, and he started to play well. So do you, do you start to turn to, do you turn to a guy like Malachi Flynn here? Goran Dragic coming off the bench. I mean, he's basically been a non-factor in games when Fred Van Vliet has been healthy. Van Vliet out the other night against Detroit. I thought Dragic looked pretty good. There yeah. are guys on this bench that can potentially play a role and and I think you might need to look to some of those guys in order to take some of the toll off of the starters. Well, I, I think I think the leash was really long for Chris Boucher, who we know has been struggling to start the season. He had that great game against Philly, which was by far his best game of the season. And unfortunately for him, you know, he he got hurt and, and now he's sidelined for and who knows how long. Um, so his leash was was pretty long. Even like Precious Achua, who uh, you know we've been saying, well at least I've been saying, you know that maybe he needs to come off the the bench because the pressure of of starting uh, seems to be a lot for him. But in that game against Philly, like offensively he was like one for ten. But afterwards, Nick Nurse and maybe you know he was just pumping his tires was really like you know uh, complimentary of Precious's game. And sometimes you're just like, are we watching the same person here? But he you know it's all those little things, the off ball that Precious is doing which Nick, you know, really appreciates. And so so he kept him in the starting lineup. I just think, and, and this, I think Nurse might have to experiment because we're talking about uh, overtaxing guys like OG, like Fred Van Vliet this early in the season, and Pascal Siakam, who played 39 minutes in just his third game back. I know, like, the, the reins have been taken off as far as l- minutes restrictions go for him, but... I, I don't know. Is that too much for him to be to be playing? Uh, uh, you know, after sitting for six months, I'm wondering if Nurse needs to experiment and, and take one of his starters, like a Scotty or like a Gary Trent Jr., off off the, to to start off the bench. Because in my mind, I, I'm seeing Scotty come off the bench to kind of help pump up that second unit right now. Um, because that second unit is 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 really really flat, and they're just they're just not contributing anything. What do you I, think about him lo- coming off the bench? I, I don't love that with Scotty. Like, I, I just think for a few reasons. I mean, one, obviously, this is a huge part of, of your future. You want to develop him in as many minutes as possible. I think really that's the primary goal this year. More than the wins and losses, it's getting Scotty to where he, he needs to be. But you want him to develop 
that chemistry, build that chemistry specifically with players like Van Vliet and Siakam and, and Ananobi. That, that's your, your future core there. Um, but it, it, it's tough. And I agree with you there because there, there isn't, an ideal starting lineup that jumps out at me. The small group is interesting, <laughs> but you're obviously giving up something in terms of rebounding and rim protection. I think that's hurt them uh, on some nights and will continue to hurt them in matchups. <laughs> tonight is, is like a, tonight, good one, yeah. <laughs> a good example against Rudy Gobert. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do tonight. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do if and when everyone gets healthy. Because if I'm not mistaken, we haven't seen Pascal Siakam, Kem Birch, and Precious Achua all in a game together. Siakam comes back and Birches out at the time, so it just kind of made sense for Achua to slide over to the bench and fill that Birch role there, and then Birch comes back, Achua is out. So, yeah, I mean, do they go with a traditional center in the starting lineup once those guys come back, or even before they come back, do we see Birch start tonight against Gobert? And if, if that's the case, then who comes out? Do you go big with Gary Trent coming, going to the bench? I don't think that that's a perfect scenario either because you're giving up a lot of offense and shooting and at, at this point, defense with yeah. how well Trent is playing. So, uh, I, I, I don't know. I think that the answer more or less is you need somebody coming off that bench to step up and maybe that means turning to Goran Dragic. I, I mean, it's funny because obviously the Raptors issue right now is defense and Dragic isn't going to give you that but he is going to take some of the pressure off of Van Vliet which might allow Van Vliet to give you more defensively or at least harder minutes in terms of the minutes that he's playing and I think he takes some of the pressure off of Delano Banton who you look at the numbers he's been a whole lot better when he's been on the floor with Van Vliet or at least another traditional point guard as opposed to running the show himself yeah let's let's Go to the Kalos here and talk about some of the positives here this week or the guys that have stood out. Of course, this is the time every week where we reward the guys, the people that have been performing well, our top per- performers of the week. We go 3-2-1 with our points. So, Nikki, start us off. Who gets your three points for this week? Really tough to decide this week, not going to lie. I think I said this exactly, this exact same thing last week. But I'm going to give my three to, to Freddie. Again, as always, steady Freddie. He's averaging a career high in rebounds uh, this season so far with about five. Uh, we talked about the minutes that he's logging the most in the league. And just what he brings, you know, that steadying force uh, to, to the team. And, oh, yes, and then he had the big onions dance, uh, which, you know, he was fined $15,000. So for that alone, I'm Money well him, spent. Money well spent. I'm giving him the three stars. Uh, two stars is going to go to Goran Dragic for me, who stepped up in that game that Freddie was out. Uh, as you mentioned, against Detroit. Here's a guy who didn't play for, what was it, 10 games? He came in. Uh, he was you know, was able to kind of s- settle and steady the offense. And, and he was saying afterwards that, that he felt like his lungs were on fire, uh, which is totally understandable. But I like that he can be inserted into a game and not totally look uh, out of place. And, and so for him... You know, he always preaches staying ready, staying ready. It's a message that he's, you know, he gives to the younger guys. So I appreciate his efforts. And so he got two stars. And one star I'm going to give to Delano Benton, um, mainly because he had that, that stretch of, what was it, four games in four nights or something like that. And he, you know, went to, to the G League. He had a great game down there, but more so because of his eagerness to want to go down there. He told Nick Nurse that he had something that he wanted to work on his game. 
went down to the G League, was able to, you know, work whatever it is out, uh, and then and then just show that drive and that desire. So he gets my one star. Who do you got? My point. My points are similar. I, I'm going to go with Fred uh, for my three Kalo points because it was a very Kalo like week for Fred Van Vliet in that game against Philadelphia, the only game that they won this week, the only game that they've won over their last six. I mean, they they don't win that game without Fred. He carries them offensively yeah. in a first half where nobody else is hitting a shot. And then even in the second half as all those other guys are stepping up, Scotty Barnes, the big third quarter, and then OG making plays down the stretch, Gary Trent, like it, Chris Boucher had his best game of the season. Fred put them in that situation and then closed the game. I mean, he hits that dagger, does the Cassell in front of the Cassell, in front of Cassell, <laughs> and, and, and for that alone, he gets my three points. But then yep. talking about Kyle-like impact, a Lowry-like impact, even in the game he misses. And that used to be the case with Lowry. When Lowry sits out, you notice Lowry's impact in the game. He's not playing. And, and that was the case with Fred against Detroit. I thought they really missed him, especially on the defensive end. So Fred gets my three points. I'm going to give my two points to Pascal Siakam. I, I think, I mean, he, he's a part of the, the problem defensively, not the problem, but no. I, I think one of many reasons why yeah. the defense has, has struggled. I think he's starting to, to figure things out a little bit on that end after getting his, trying to get his legs back, coming back from that long layoff. But I, I mean, offensively, he's starting to look more and more comfortable with each game. I know he's talked about sort of the conditioning side of it and, and being tired and pushing through the fatigue and, and, um, the, the minutes restriction has been lifted. I think that that's a good sign. I know people are harping on the stat. The Raptors are winless in the games that he's been back. And maybe there's something to that's that so just tough. in terms of, yeah, I mean, working him back into the lineup. It's an adjustment for everybody, but for everyone, this is yeah. not a, this is not on Pascal Siakam, who's starting to look a, a lot more like Pascal Siakam. So he gets my two points. And then I'm going to give my, my one point to Goran Dragic for the reason that you talked about. I mean, being able to stay ready, not knowing when or, or where his opportunities are going to come from. He gets the nod the day of the game, finds out that Van Vliet isn't playing, steps into the lineup. And I thought he looked really good. Mm-hmm. And even defensively, obviously he's not known for his defense, but digging in, stripping the ball away from from Grant, and you, you could tell, I mean, on the bench, he's been trying to learn, trying to absorb the way that the Raptors want to play defensively. This is not the story of a guy that, that's checked out mentally, yes, that's, that's exactly. not into it. He's been professional, um, and he's a guy that I, I think you really might need to turn to if you want production coming off this bench. So one point for Goran Dragic. Looking at the leaderboard now, it's Fred Van Vliet with six points from us this week that takes the lead. He's got 12 points on the season. Scotty Barnes with nine. Kem Birch with seven. So still a tight race with the Kalos. Um, always a fun thing to do every week. I hope these Love guys it. are as into it as we are, right? Like, I, I, I hope obviously. that they're listening. Fred's like, oh, yep. man, I, I have the lead. Yes. I have the lead. I have the inside <laughs> track here to win. We still need to figure out a prize for them, though. I think we can give it to Fred, though, every week at this point because he's been, like, the one consistent uh, that so far this season. Well, so, definitely, yeah, well for his, definitely for his quotes, for his media yes. savvy. Oh, that's, that's guaranteed, yes. Speaking of media savvy... 
We've got Patrick Matumbo coming up after the break. Raptors head, Raptors 905 head coach. Always a fun guy to chat with. And of course, when you talk about the young Raptors, he's got great insight, not only from coaching them, several of them with the 905 so far this year will let us know what it was like to have Delano Banton come down for one game last week. You mentioned it earlier, Nikki, four games and four nights for Banton, but he also coached a number of these guys in Vegas in summer league over the summer. So he can let us know, obviously, where the areas of growth he's seen from, from Banton and from Scotty Barnes. We'll chat with Patrick Matumbo coming up after the break. This is the Raptors beat here on TSN 1050. The Raptors beat goes inside the locker room, bringing you the latest from your Toronto Raptors on TSN 1050. The Raptors live here. Welcome back. Josh Lewinberg and Nikki Reyes with you on the Raptors beat. And we're going to switch gears talk about Raptors 905 who has started the season 2 and 0 after a couple of wins over Westchester last week and we know about the organization's emphasis on player development and the success that they've had with it but it's never been more important than it is now with all of the young talent coming up and to chat about that and hopefully give us an update on what he's working on in his art studio we're joined by Raptors 905 head coach Patrick Matumbo. Patrick, thanks for taking the time. How have you been? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Josh. Absolutely. No, we're, we're excited that the NBA season, the G League season, they're both underway. And, and happy to have you guys back in Mississauga. I know it's been a crazy couple of years. Your, your second year with the 905, but I'm sure it, it feels very different than last season. You guys were in the G League bubble in Orlando, shortened season, uh, pretty limited in terms of what you guys could do in terms of call-ups and assignments and all of that. And now that you guys are back home, we're already seeing how differently you guys can use the the program uh, we, we saw it a few weeks ago with Pat, uh, with uh, Pascal Siakam going down getting in a couple practices as he worked his way back from injury Delano Banton last week going in and getting some extra run in between games with the Raptors uh, how different has this felt sort of getting back to normalcy now and, and how beneficial has that been for the program exactly what you described Josh you know just being able hey but also to see people in person you know, there's people that, that we worked with last year. I had never met them uh, in person and just being able to, to be here and greet people in the morning, but also on game day, being able to see the fans and have families come to the game and that sort of thing. And then you mentioned uh, just the proximity, being able to get uh, our, our Raptors guys come to us, work with us, practice with us, play games with us. So it's been it's been really good just to that whole dynamic being able to and for me it's it's it's, it's my first time actually living it this way and it's, and it's been fun. Kind of on that note, Patrick, obviously, as you just mentioned, not an ideal start to your head coaching career, but what would you say has been the biggest adjustment from being an assistant coach to now the head coach? Uh, decisions. You know, as an assistant coach, you spend most of your time bringing suggestions. And now as a, as a head coach, you are, you know, you, you are making more decisions. And with that comes uh, just the responsibility of knowing that decisions uh, uh, I get to make impact a lot of people. 
and and set the tone and dictate the pace for what we were doing. So that probably would be the biggest difference. Sounds like a lot of pressure. Oh, <laughs> uh, not really. Not really. <laughs> We, you know, we prepare, and then we, you know, we uh, we are thorough, in, you know, in our preparation, and then to to try to make the best uh, decision for the group. So it's fun. Actually, it's really fun. How much communication is there between you guys and the parent club, maybe specifically you and Nick? I know in the past there's always been an em- emphasis on sort of running a similar system and, and and trying to keep things sort of similar in terms of the the coverages and, and the the play calls uh, obviously nick has a, a really unique aggressive defensive system that that he implements with the raptors is that something that you guys sort of try and 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 do as well with the 905 Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and coach has been great. I just you know trust because we I mean we've been together for a while, and this is my fifth year in the program with our system, so uh we we understand what what the uh, what the the mandate is, and then we're trying to execute it the best way we can. Coach, you got to spend some time with guys like Scotty Barnes and Delano Benton and, and Malachi Flynn during Summer League. How have you seen them grow since then and what they've been able to do in the league uh, so far this season? Well, first of all, I want to say those guys, these young men that you've mentioned, tremendous people, tremendous workers, uh, and just they're, they're, they've been able to embrace our culture rapidly starting from the mini camps and, and summer league, uh, et cetera. So it's been really good. And just watching their progression, is, is, it is nice to see. It's, it's nice to see, but not very surprising. Not, not very surprising because they, they put in the work, they're serious about the work, and they buy in into what we're doing. And there's a great structure uh around them, a great supporting staff around them, which then accelerates uh, their growth and, and learning. Joined by Raptors 905 head coach Patrick Matumbo, and I'll ask you first about Scotty because, I mean, that, that's been a big story, not only with the Raptors to start the season, but around the NBA, a loaded rookie class, and, and Scotty Barnes has been as impressive as anyone to begin the season and to start off his NBA career. Where, where have you seen the biggest areas of growth in him from, from when you coached him in Vegas during the summer? Well, honestly, it's, it's uh, everywhere. You know, you see it, and again, going back to what I just said, it's just just seeing. You know, his shot is getting better. He's understanding. It. He's already got tremendous in basketball instincts, and then and he has a great desire to defend the basketball. But the credit goes also to 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 the coaches there with the Raptors who are working tirelessly with them every day, uh, and then just helping them in, in his decision making and a defensive reads and the speed of the NBA game. So you see, you see those improvements all, you know, all around, and 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 I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see where it goes because it's almost like every game, as, as you would expect with young players, you'll have up and downs. But 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 I, I trust with the work he puts in and with the environment there at the Raptors. You know, a lot of good things are are in store for him. 
Coach, you're talking about culture, and, and as you guys were mentioning, we know how much success this organization has in developing players. Um, when you look at the track record of you guys making the playoffs seemingly every year, and not to give any way any secrets to the enemy here, but how do you guys maintain such success year after year? What's the secret? Well, for one, you know, I'll give you the typical uh, coach's answer. Well, I do hope <laughs> we we, <laughs> we continue to be successful this year also. Uh, yeah, so that, that's, that's what we work for. But I think there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of uh, just luck also, you know, uh, people being healthy, people coming back at the right time. And that's what You're being modest, is. Coach. You're being modest. You know, uh, we, we, we work. <laughs> we put our head down and, 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 and we work. You know, I think, I think there's really no secret, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a group of people who, who uh, believe in, in our vision, in our mission. Uh, we understand what the mandate is. And we try every day to execute it the best way we can. We're honest, and, and, and we try hard every day. I think that's that's really the bottom line here. One of the great things about the 905 that, that we, we spoke about earlier is just the proximity to the parent club, Mississauga, short drive away, and it allows you to do some of the things like we, we saw with Delano Banton last week where he, he's playing a back-to-back on the road, comes back to Toronto, makes the, the short trip, to Mississauga, plays 30 minutes with you guys, and then is back with the Raptors four games in four days. Now, I'm sure a lot of people expected Delano to spend a lot of time with the 905 this year as a second-round pick, but we we talked about Scotty Barnes earlier. Delano has been one of the pleasant surprises this season as well, getting rotation minutes with the Raptors. Can can you take us through the thinking of of getting him some of those extra reps with you guys last week and, and ultimately what you saw from him in those 30 minutes? It's not great that that we were able to do that. Just, just incredible. Uh, you, gotta, you gotta commend the Raptors, right? As an organization, Masai, Bobby, uh, and just just uh, the structure they've created that enables us to be able to have that type of uh, transaction, if I can call it, if I can put it this way. Uh, just him coming to us and playing, and then going back and and that that right there also accelerates. The growth of our, of our young players because there's no secret. You can practice all you want. You got to play games. You got to play good games. That's that's how you grow. That's how you develop. Uh, and then with you know, with us here, he did he did a really good job. Set the set the tone early with his space and uh, pace. Play hard. Probably turned the ball over more than we would have liked. Uh, but other than that, man, his attitude, as always, has always been great. I was fortunate enough to coach him at Summer League, so we were very familiar with each other. And, and just the effort that he and, and the other guys put forth on the, uh, was really good. It was really good. Joined by Raptors 905 head coach Patrick Matumbo. And Patrick, uh, I, I always say to people, you need to have – uh, something that you're passionate about in, in addition to your work and even if your work is as time consuming as coaching maybe especially if your work is as time consuming as coaching Nick Nurse has his music and of course you have your art and if people aren't familiar with your work I, I highly recommend them checking it out on Instagram at Patrick M- underscore Matumbo official on IG and it's not just a hobby it's something that you've spent a lot of time on you, you've studied and, and you're really good at can you take us back and tell us how did you get into painting have you always been artistic 
<laughs> you said, now, now you're very kind, saying my heart is really good. So thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I've always, you know, I, I started painting. I've always been artistic. Uh, so I really started painting seriously. At, in 2008, I was a professional basketball player. At the time, I was playing in Greece. That's why I took up painting. And ever since then, you know, when I get opportunities, I, you know, get in, into my studio and work a little bit and I read and do some research and that kind of stuff. It's just something that, that I enjoy and that's kind of part of uh, part of me. Did, did you have a studio set up, uh, a, a makeshift studio set up in the, in the hotel room in the bubble last year? How important was art? for you as sort of a, a bit of an escape during that really unusual stretch where, where you're basically in in one place for a few months? Oh, it was good. It was it was good, Josh, just being able to, you know, when I had a moment and, and uh, I was done with my work, just to get, get in front of my easel a little bit and, 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 and do some work there. It's, it's, it's always a good, a good thing to, to, to do. I'll be honest, though, uh, I have less and less time uh, to get into the studio and 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 and, and paint, but uh, the love and the passion is still there. I know Nick has been asked this question before in regards to music. Is there any transferable skills or lessons that he's taken from music to coaching? I'll ask you the same question. Is there anything that you've learned through your studies with art or, or things that you've experienced through art that you've used to become a better coach? Absolutely. Uh, the first one was, uh, I would say, open-mindedness. Right? You gotta be, you gotta be able to to let yourself uh, flow into something completely unexpected. That's one. And then the second thing is, uh, we all everything starts with a thought, an idea, and then there's different uh, processes and methods that then you, you utilize to bring that idea into fruition. And sometimes the end result looks completely different from what you had anticipated. And sometimes it's similar. And sometimes the idea changes as you try to uh, bring it to life. Same thing. Same thing with, with us. You know, you, you may plan to practice and have an idea of how it should go. And, you know, somebody goes down or, or the energy is low or the energy is higher than you expected. And then you throw some more stuff there and it ends up being something completely different from what you expected. And to me, those are just, you know, examples of parallels between creating art, but also coaching. Coach, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you had to choose between <laughs> art and coaching, you can only do one for the rest of your life. Which one is it going to be? <laughs> Uh, I'll do both. I shouldn't have to choose. <laughs> That's both. a good choice. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're good at both. I okay. I'll let you do both because you excel in both areas. <laughs> but you know, right right now is coaching. Right now, right now is coaching. I gotta. You know, that's 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 what I breathe. That's that, that's what I'm pursuing uh, aggressively with everything I have. Is coaching. Well, you got a couple games to prepare for here coming up this weekend in Long Island. So, Coach, we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, best of luck over the weekend and best of luck throughout the season. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for, uh, for having me. Thank you. Of course. There he is, Raptors 905 head coach Patrick Matumbo. We're going to take a quick break, but Raptors are back at it tonight in Utah against Rudy Gobert. Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz will preview the game and look ahead 
to the upcoming week. This is the Raptors beat on TSN 1050. Feeling good? Just bet on yourself. Why wouldn't you? Just bet on yourself. You're you. Just bet on yourself. Time to bet on yourself. Don't be afraid to bet on yourself. On TSN 1050, the Raptors live here. I got my money on me. I do. I bet on myself. I can't expect them to crunch time on the Raptors beat Josh Lewenberg, Nikki Reyes, and it's that time of the week again where. We bet on ourselves. Whew. Yeah, yeah. Rough, rough week rough for the week. Raptors last week. They they won a game. They won a game. It was better than they did the week before. One and two for the Raptors this week. I got a couple of those games right. The one I got wrong, of course. Uh, I said they were going to beat Detroit, as I'm sure most people thought they would. So <laughs> two and one for me this week. Nikki, you had a perfect week early in the season, so I don't feel too badly for you this week, but an 0-3 week. Um, that Detroit game, so man. That Detroit game really messed Detroit me up. The Detroit game was tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 7-7 seven and seven is your record, Nikki, on the season. You're flirting with the 500 mark like the Raptors. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm moving up a little bit, hopefully trending in the right direction. 9-5 and five for me. So let's see how we do this week. We're going to start and we're going to try and, and preview the game tonight as much as we can here before looking to the rest of the week. It, it, it's an interesting week for the Raptors. Who I mean, we, we've talked about their struggles defensively. They've got a couple of the best offensive teams in the NBA this week. The Jazz tonight. The number one ranked offensive team, obviously the Warriors coming up. That's a big one on Sunday. They're ranked number three. So this is going to be a big test for the Raps tonight. They are a nine-and-a-half point underdog against a really good Utah team, a team that, I mean, they've had a lot of success over the last few years. The Raptors have done pretty well in Utah over the over the last few seasons, but... A lot of that has to do with Kyle Lowry, who usually goes off in Utah. They won't have that tonight. But do they have enough to beat the Jazz at 9 o'clock on TSN 1050? Nikki, are you taking the Raptors with the 9.5 points? I am not. And I will tell you this. Utah is a tough place to play. Uh, We know how good Rudy Gobert is. Uh, Donovan Mitchell. The problem for me with the Raptors tonight is that OG is questionable. Uh, Precious and uh, and uh, we know uh, Chris, Chris Boucher, Boucher is questionable yeah, as well. So I think it, the, the Raptors are in tough tonight. With that being said, they are a little bit rested. They haven't played since Monday. Hopefully those defensive issues that we were talking about earlier, they've had some time to work on some things, watch some film, get, get their minds right. It's just a really tough test against, you said it, one of the best offensive teams uh, at home. I'm, I'm going to have to go with Utah on this one. How about you? Well, listen, I, I, I'm definitely going to take the Raptors with the 9.5 points, but I'm going to take the Raptors to win outright. Uh, I'm going to predict the upset okay. here. Okay. As you mentioned, they've had a couple days off, and normally what happens when the Raptors have consecutive days off, and this goes back years what they'll generally do is they'll give their guys a, a day off, maybe an optional practice on that first day, and then they'll practice on the second day. They've practiced 
the last couple days, obviously, because they've got a lot of things to go over now. I'm sure a lot of that, more so than hard physical practices, considering how many minutes these guys are playing, I'm sure a lot of it was just going back and, and watching the film and trying to learn from some of those mistakes, particularly mm-hmm. on the defensive end. But I, I think that we're going to see, I mean, it's, it's hard to know with this team as in, inconsistent as they've been, which version of this Raptors team you're going to see on any given exactly. night. But I think we're going to see the good Raptors tonight. I hope we're going to see the good Raptors tonight. So I, I'm going to go with a win here. But like I said, I, I think that this, this is going to be a really good test, not only for the defense, just to see how it holds up against one of the better offensive, I mean, the best offensive team in the NBA right now, but also in terms of, the the size right it's something that we talked about earlier today the Raptors have been rolling with this small lineup but Rudy Gobert is one of the best bigs in the NBA it's a really yeah. well balanced Utah team positionally and I, I think that I mean it's going to be interesting to see how Nick Nurse manages the rotation here assuming that he does have some of his most of his bodies tonight they're going to well, need OG they're well, going to need that, OG if they're going to exactly win this game. the OG is the best defensive player this team has without him if he has if he can't go 100% it's going to be an issue and it's going to be the the biggest issue he can't go at all and and you mentioned it size right without precious you know we, we precious is, is is tough offensively on this team sometimes but what he brings on the defensive end uh you know grabbing those rebounds and then you know again without Chris Boucher um yeah that's why i just think it's going to be a tough game for them but hopefully they can tonight. rise to the challenge. <laughs> yeah, a lot of minutes tonight, I think, for Ken Birch, whether he starts or not. They're going to lean yeah. on him against Rudy Gobert. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough to know. It's tough to know without knowing for sure what the status of OG Ananobi is. But, yeah. hey, this is where we bet on ourselves, so I'm going to bet on OG here. I'm going to say he plays, and the Raptors win Friday night, tomorrow night, in Sacramento, second game back-to-back against a struggling Kings team. I mean, they're in the same boat as the Raptors. They've lost five of their last six games. Mm-hmm. Luke Walton is under fire. We, yeah, <laughs> we, we heard Tristan Thompson talk after the game last night. Really, an R-rated press conference. I really enjoyed it. I thought, I mean, he pointed out a lot of the issues with, with the Kings right now. They're having some problems defensively as well. So who wins the battle of struggling teams in Sacramento? I'm going to go with the Raptors on this one. This is one of those games that the Raptors should get for the reasons that you said, that they're having a hard time right now. Their coach is in the hot seat. They did, however, beat Detroit 129-107 the other night. Of course, you know how the Raptors, I don't want to say got embarrassed by Detroit, but that was definitely not a good look, uh, losing at home to a deplorable Detroit Pistons team. But I'm going to go with uh, the Raptors against the Kings. It is a, it is tough. You know, it is a back-to-back. Historically, the Raptors aren't that great. But this season, they've, they've seemingly improved on the second night of a back-to-back. But this is a Kings team that I think that they should be able to handle. Yeah, I'm going to go with you? a win for the Raptors as well. So maybe a two-game winning streak here if, if my picks are correct, no. which they probably won't be. But <laughs> this is the fun one, Nikki. This is, I, we, we normally ask the question at the end of the show, what are you most looking forward to this week? Well, a couple birds with one stone for me. I'll, we'll preview this game, and I'll say that I am most looking forward to seeing the NBA best 12-2 and Golden State Warriors <sighs> In yeah. San Fran on Sunday, and I mean, if tonight's game is tough against Utah, that's going to be a big-time challenge for the Raptors that went many years without winning uh, in mm-hmm. the Bay Area before, of course, having some notable success against them in the NBA Finals. 
Uh, but this is a very different looking Golden State Warriors team than the one that we've seen over the last couple years while they were retooling. Now they're back. They're a contender once again, and, and man, they've been really, really good. They've been just really, really, really good. Um, I, 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 I will pencil a loss in for the Raptors in this game, but I will say that I just feel like guys like Freddie, you know, they, they rise to the occasion when it comes to teams like this. So I, I, am, I am interested to see just how competitive this game is going to be. I'm also interested to see how Scotty Barnes looks against such a good team, you know, someone like Draymond Green and, and playing such, you know, elite talent like the, the Warriors. But I, I don't see this one happening for the Raptors. The Warriors are just that good. I mean, they're, they're right now, how, how do you bet against them and, and winning it all? And they still don't have, you know, Clay playing for them. So uh, I, got a, I got a loss for the Raptors in this one. And Steph Curry playing MVP caliber basketball right now, taking a mind, ton of threes. Yeah. But if you're hitting them at a 40% clip, I mean, maybe he should be taking more. 13.4 three-point attempts per game. It's crazy. Like 10 years ago, there were teams that weren't taking that many threes. But, yeah, you mentioned it. They've got this great blend of youth and experience. And then at some point this season, they get clay back. They're really tough, but I'm with you. Like I think it'll be a competitive game, probably more so than people might think, probably more so than the line when it does come out will reflect in the same way we've got this game circled, the Raptors, certainly the veterans, Fred Van Vliet, like those guys, I'm sure Scotty Barnes even in, in his first year, like these are guys that are looking forward to this game, and I imagine they'll rise to the occasion, but I've got a loss for them as well. Um, so I've got a 2-1 and one week for the Raptors. You've got a 1-2 and two week for the Raptors. So we'll see what happens here. Again, I, I think just a, a really interesting test for their struggling defense going against some of the best offensive, offensive. teams yep. in the NBA. So we'll see if the Raptors can get back on track here. We'll be back with another episode of the Raptors Beat next week. Thanks to Chris Diavero back at studio and... Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.